Hello, and welcome to Afternoonified. The podcast where we have no cold open written. I'm Ryan. And I'm Emily. This is your episode. You were supposed to write the cold open. I know I can't write cold open. It's just this one time. I can't just, do that. Just one. really bad. It's so easy. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, no. You're fired. You're fired. <gasps> your mom is fired. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, for real though, I turned to Ryan at some point during this afternoon and asked if she had written cold open, and she looked at me like I was crazy. Mm-hmm. Of course, I didn't write the cold open. I'm not good at those. Clearly, you heard what happened. Yeah. So, um, today we're going to talk about color theory, which I know every artist and designer that listens to this episode is probably groaning. It was a fun class in college. No, everyone hates color theory in college, but I promise to make it more fun. However, we do have to cover the, the, you know, I'm not going to call them the boring parts because I think it's fascinating. The basics? we got to cover the basics, you know. You know how it is. There's nothing wrong with being basic. You should know. Yeah, hey. <laughs> You're the most basic woman I know. Basic bitch. Oh, bitch. You've managed to fit so many <gasps> in the episode already. It's you only started. I've only been doing this for a minute. Jesus Christ. Okay. So we're going to start with talking about what color even is. My notes are backwards again. Why do you keep doing this? Because you printed them double-sided because there's so many of them. I really like color theory. Making fun of me for over-researching stuff. Eight pages. Eight pages of notes. Well, that means the next time I under-research, then at least it's a wash. (laughs) I don't know if it works like that. Okay, so. Color. What Um, is it? According to the dictionary, color is the property possessed by an object of producing different sensations on the eye as a result of the way the object reflects or emits light, which is accurate, but it doesn't give us a very good description of what light is and how it works. That was much science, very specific. Exactly. So instead, we're going to go with the definition according to the Crayola website, who we all know are the authority on color. Do you know their uh, crayons are technically gluten-free? I mean, yeah, they're made so that way kids can eat them. They're top bone toxic for that reason. Well, gluten's not toxic. I'm just saying they specifically They specifically addressed are your crayons gluten free on the website. And they are. Yep. All right. So according to Crayola, I'm just going to read the definition um, right off the website because I think they did a really good job of wording it. Yeah. To see color, you have to have light. When light shines on an object, some colors bounce off of the object, and others are absorbed by it. Our eyes can only see the colors that are bounced off or reflected. The sun's rays contain all the colors of the rainbow mixed together, and this mixture is known as white light. When white light strikes a white crayon or marker barrel, it appears white to us because it absorbs no color and reflects all the colors back equally. A black crayon or marker cap absorbs all colors equally and reflects none, so it looks black to us. While artists consider black to be a color, scientists do not, because black is technically the absence of all color. Assuming you're talking about light. We'll get into this whole additive subtraction okay. color thing. Because it's the opposite if you're talking There's about... There's no black light. Well, there is black light, but it's technically blue. blue. Yeah. Uh, Alright, so in order to understand how all the concepts in this episode work, we have to talk about how the eyes work. Hey, Ryan. Hey. How do our eyes work? Oh, um... So we're going to talk about how the eyes work. <laughs> All right. So on the back of your eye is a special lining called the retina. And on the retina, there is a teeny tiny spot about 0.3 millimeters wide called the fovea centralis. And in this little tiny area, humans have tiny receptors called combs, six to seven million of them. In fact. That's a lot of fucking combs. And they have a ton of combs. And it's in like a tiny, tiny little area, like a third of a millimeter. Um, Anyway, in this area, with all of your crazy cones, um, humans have three types. Some animals there are less, and some animals have more, but for humans, we have 64% of our cones are stimulated most strongly by the color red, 33% by green, and only 2% by blue. So it's actually harder for human eyes to tell the difference between really specific shades of blue than with reds. I can see see it. (laughs) We have fewer fewer blue receptor cells, so... Um, there are also structures in the fovea centralis called rods. A lot of people hear, you know, cones and rods. Yeah. Um, 
the rods do the exact same thing, but they're just more sensitive and dim light. Okay. So, um, there is an interesting phenomenon that I want to talk about called... Sorry. Um, <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> uh, called Forbidden Colors. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Forbidden Colors. Yes. Is that the, yeah. Yes. Um, these are colors like red-green or yellow-blue. And no, I'm not talking about the brown that you would get if you mix them together. Is it yellow-blue-green? Yes, but that's not what we're talking about. Um, there is a color. This is the interesting part. So there's a spectrum of light, and human eyes can only see a very specific portion of that spectrum. Like, we can't see an infrared or ultraviolet. Yeah. So, But within the part of the spectrum that we can see, there are colors that we cannot see, which is kind of weird, like red-green. Um, and I'm not talking about when you mix red and green together, you get brown. Imagine a color that's equal parts red and equal parts green. And it looks just as red as it looks green. I always kind of picture like those cars that like when the sun hits them they change colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, actually wearing that kind of lip gloss right now. Very nice. It's blue purple. Blue purple. Blurple. Purple. Yeah. Um, so it's a forbidden color. Um, they exist but we can't tell the difference. We can't see them. Um, and this is because of something called opponent neurons. And I'm going to simplify this as best I can because it's a pain in the ass to understand. Um, when exposed to red light, a big reaction happens in the eyes. Lots of nerve signals, because remember we have 64% red cones. So yes. when you see red... It's a lot of red. Yeah, it's a crazy flurry of activity. Your brain lights up. Uh, however, when you see green, it triggers a neurological response that dampens the red cone's ability to transmit a signal. So basically, like chokes out the red cones and says, shut up. That's what green does. So when you see a color that's equal parts red and equal parts green, the red is trying to fire lots of signals, the green's trying to choke them out, and you end up with a neutral response. Okay. They cancel each other out. Yeah, so you just get brown. brown. Yeah, so that's basically what brown is. Brown is um, your eyes' way of seeing red and green at the same time, or, you know, different colors that you can't normally perceive at the same time at the same time. You get brown. So it always makes you wonder if someone that you know, maybe he's magically able to see these forbidden colors. Brown must look fucking weird all the time. Why is that dog red green? Clifford the red green dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, sorry. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I said earlier that a lot of animals have an extra cone, more cones than we do, um, and. The one that has the most is the mantis shrimp. Um, also, bumblebees, a lot of species of birds, fish, butterflies. Fish? Fish. Fish. They need really good color vision for water. Um, however, I would like to make an interesting note on mantis shrimp and their vision because everyone thinks mantis shrimp have these like this crazy ability to see color, and they actually don't. They don't. Um, they do see in color, and they have really good color vision, but it's not that great. Uh, a bunch of scientists did a test at the University of Queensland in Brisbane, Australia, and found that when a bunch of trained mantis shrimp... Yes, they said trained mantis shrimp. Um, <laughs> ...who were able to recognize 12 distinct colors, like bright red, true blue, um, they had an 80% accuracy rate when presented with two colors that differed by 50 to 100 nanometers on the spectrum. That's like the difference between powder blue and lime green. Okay. So if it's within that kind of closeness, they had an 80% accuracy rate. However, they only had a 50% accuracy rate when the colors were less than 25 nanometers apart, which is like the difference between powder blue and teal, which we can tell really easily. Yes. Um, so just so you know, a 50% accuracy rate is about the same as if they were just guessing entirely. So that actually means that they just can't tell the difference. So mantis shrimp can see colors, but they're too dumb to process it. More or less. Uh, so humans, our brain and our big processing center, uh, we can tell the difference between colors within one to four nanometers, which is insane. That's yeah, like yeah. Tiny, tiny differences. Um, the scientists think that it has to do with our large brains, playing room to process color. It is physically unrealistic for a shrimp to ever have that kind of processing power. <laughs> um, that it would actually use all 12 photoreceptors in the same way that we do. That being said, scientists think that mantis shrimp do have great color vision, but it works totally different and they more use it as a way 
to identify things quickly so that way the brain doesn't have to spend as much time processing. Okay. Brains can just go like red and yellow, that's predator, or like whatever, whatever, that's food. This. Yeah. So, um, scientists. We um, apologize if it sounds like Ryan was at the end of a very long tunnel for that first segment. Um, it should be better now. <laughs> it was it better on the waveform. There was a mic issue stemming from. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> scientists have actually mathematically decided that even absolutely perfect color vision, where you could see every single color and distinguish them perfectly, you would only require a maximum of seven cones. Oh, so wow. the fact that mantis shrimp have 12 is really redundant. Yeah. Um, seven is only one more than butterflies have. Butterflies have six. And they use them the same way we do, so they actually have really excellent vision. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Butterflies. Who would have known? <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> Still hung up on the fact that fish have really good color vision. Well, I mean, if you think about it, underwater, like, light gets thrown around so much because yeah. of, like, sunlight hitting water, it, you know, scatters it. So I think they'd have to be able to tell really well. Yeah. And same thing when you're in the sky, too, because, I mean, everything on the ground blends together. So. Huh. Eagle in the sky, same in the river. That's something my dad does all the time. He has like a dance move. People in the sky, same as river. I don't know why he does it. It's not a great dance move, but no, it is a dance move. It's a dance move. Um, okay, now I have to get into the fun part that all the artists. The fun hate. part. Yeah, the part that no one actually likes to learn about because it's really confusing. Oh yeah, no, this was yeah yeah yeah. yeah. So we're gonna talk about additive color and subtractive color. Um, so shout out to all my artist and graphic designer friends. You all know that color theory sucks. Because of additive and subtractive color. Anyone who's ever had to deal with printing anything in color and not coming out right, <sighs> you know about additive and subtractive color. So let's start with additive. So when dealing with additive color, we need to think of the primary colors as red, green, and blue instead of red, yellow, and blue. Mostly because red, green, and blue are the three cones you have in your eyes. Mm-hmm. So those are you know the primary colors in that sense. Yeah. Um, the only reason red, yellow, and blue are considered primary colors is because no amount of mixing colors can get you back to those yeah. colors. But in regards to mixing here, we're going to use red, green, and blue. Um, okay. They're the foundation blocks when it comes to things like mixing paint, but they aren't the primary colors when it comes to the way that our eyes perceive color. So think about light. The light that comes from the sun, like we said, is called white light and contains every color in the spectrum. So if you have, say, a red light or a red, I guess, um, spotlight, Mm -hmm. and you're pointing it at a wall, and then you point a blue spotlight over that same spot, you're adding blue and red together and you're kind of pulling it closer to white. So when you mix, um, let's see what I used as an example here. Um, That's why it's called additive, because you're adding the colors together to add it up to the spectrum, the full white spectrum. Um, anyone who has ever used paint thinks I'm lying right now, but stick with me. <laughs> um, because if you mix green and blue using lights, you don't get like a dark, muddy, greeny blue. You get cyan, which is a really bright, vivid, blue. like blue, blue, like light blue. Rural blue. Mm-hmm. And if you mix red and blue, you get real bright pink, which seems kind of confusing to people who use paint but if you've ever had to mix light this is how it works Uh um this is also how tvs work so if you've ever looked really really close at a tv you can see the pixels and there's like a red and yellow and a blue or a red and green and blue yeah the way that it works is that um whatever color that section of the tv is supposed to light up it will add the different colors together to make white so when you have a white screen on your tv all of them are lit whereas if you have black none of them are Uh so subtractive is the opposite So when using subtractive colors, think about those colors magenta, cyan, and yellow, um, or CMYK. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of this when you're printing. Yes. Those are the ink colors. Mm -hmm. K stands for black. Don't ask why. It doesn't stand for, like, knockout or something. It must be. Yeah. yeah. Um, But anyway, K, for all intents and purposes, is black. Um, These are the colors you're going to use if you're actually going to print something out. Um, Just like when you mix red and blue using additive color, you get magenta. If you get magenta and cyan and mix them together you get like the regular old blue like dark blue medium blue 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 not cyan but blue any guy listening to this is like they're the same fucking thing um what was it that you said to me today i don't know but you spit your tea out i said that we got a lot of listener questions from women but none from men 
I think I said something along the lines of, I don't know, because men just think there's five colors, what's there to fucking ask? <laughs> something like that. And Emily spit her tea back into her cup. It's true. It was a good tea. Yeah. Good tea. Well, too bad you don't get to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Missed that last sip. <laughs> All right. So... If you mix magenta and cyan, you get plain old blue, which is why they use CMYK, because you can get all the like RGB colors out of CMYK, but yeah. when mixing inks and paints, you can't mix red and blue to get cyan. It only works with light. So you can go one direction, but not the other way when it comes to ink. Well, I mean, I do love Zane and Liam. Yes. Different. <laughs> a whole different thing. Uh... uh... <laughs> That's such a good joke. She lost her spot. I did, man. Um, okay, so when you mix, let's say, red and yellow paint together, you're causing the two colors to mix. It changes the way they absorb light, subtracting out the part of the light that's reflected from your eyes. That's why it's called subtractive. Because when you mix them, it absorbs more, which subtracts from what's reflected back. Okay. So with subtractive light, less is reflected back. With additive light, you're adding more light to it. Okay. So that's why it's called additive and subtractive. This is really confusing. You only really have to know it if you're designing stuff online a lot and printing because they're going to be different. Yeah. Because the color you see via the light on your screen is different than what's going to be printed. Yes. All right. Moving on. Um, This question actually comes from Emily. It does. (sighs) Would you like to ask it? Oh. (laughs) What's the deal with color correction? This is a great question. (laughs) So remember when we talked about forbidden colors and how if you mix two colors together, your eyes kind of subtract them out and you end up with like a neutral in the yeah, middle? Yeah, Works very similarly. So girls who bleach their hair often use purple or blue shampoo to cancel out the yellow tones. So really what's happening is that you have yellow and blue in your hair. It just deposits the blue, which cancels out the yeah. yellow. Yeah, so it doesn't actually get rid of the yellow in your hair, it but it tricks the eyes. Yeah. It tricks the eyes into thinking that there's no color there. My hair looks like shit without subtra- without <laughs> a color correction. Yeah, yep. this is how it works. So you're actually just having both on your head, but your eyes just ignore that you have both on your head. Um, and actually, so, you use blue to get rid of orange, and you use purple to get rid of yellow. Yeah, yeah. You want to go opposite on the color wheel, and orange and blue are complementary, yellow-purple. Yep. Um, it works the same way if you're, like, covering up a zit. If you put, like, a green concealer over, like, a pink or red zit, then it covers a lot better because and you're just green. a pro tip for all the pale ladies out there, um, when you're color correcting under your eyes, you want to go with a peach tone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, because you have a lot of, like, bluey tones under your eyes. Yes. Because of all the veins and the blood that's there. Mm-hmm. Which is why you get bags. Anyway, um, this also leads into, um, why Emily looks really awful in yellow. It's true. And why I look shitty in blue. Um, undertones. Okay, so if you want to figure out what colors look good on you, the trick is to look at the bottom side of your wrist at the veins right there. And decide if your veins look blue or if they look green. I have a lot of tattoos on my wrists. Yeah, hard for you to tell, especially. Blue. If they're blue, then you have cool skin. Um, If you have green, which mine kind of are, I'm especially pale right now, but that tends to come across more green, Um, you have warm skin. So green veins is warm. Um, So this, again, goes back to that forbidden color concept, things canceling out. So people with cool skin tend to look good in, um, like, blues, reds, pinks, because they have those colors in their skin. So you're emphasizing what's already in your skin. Whereas if you use yellow, you're using the opposite color, and it creates kind of a graying effect, because you're canceling out the blue in your skin, which is what makes your skin glowy, is because you have a blue glow. So that's why you end up looking really gray and awful. Same with me. I look really bad in blue because it cancels out my warm yellowy tones and I just look pale and sick. Um, yeah. Plan your outfits accordingly. Exactly. Now you guys know. Um, so we had some more listener questions. I like how your notes say that I specifically look like crap in yellow. Yeah, you do. I don't know. I've never really seen you in yellow. You I don't know. I have like I one mustard colored shirt. Mustard's usually okay because mustard you have to mix other colors into so it's not quite like yeah. as opposite. It's like a blue yellow almost. Yeah. So it's not as bad. It's more like butter yellows, like true yellow. Not good. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like the more blue something is, the worse it looks I on I also me. look shitty in pastels, but that's just because I'm pale. 
Yeah. Pale and pale just equals more pale. Yep. yep. Like a ghost. Yep. Uh, so we had some listener questions relating to color therapy and color psychology. All right. Color therapy, you say? Yes. So color influences your perception, um, even things that you wouldn't really realize. It can alter the taste of food. It can inf- Food? Enfance. Yes, food. Um, blue food is less appetizing to us than any other color. It's true. She showed me pictures of blue food today and it was gross. Yeah. And I'm not talking like cupcakes with blue frosting, like a blue hamburger or like blue eggs. The blue chicken really did me in. Yeah. It was like a blue turkey and it's so wrong looking. Like you would not want to bite it. It's bad. It looks diseased. Um, Yeah. So someone actually brought that up on, um, we put out a questionnaire on Facebook and someone asked about this. Um, I think it was Brienne. So shout out to Brienne for your question. Um, (laughs) uh, It turns out it is because uh, it's based in a long-rooted, I guess, natural evolutionary response. Because most of the food that we ate when we were, you know, cavemen and, you know, evolving, moving on, moving on up. Um, Moving on up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're not blue and purple. And blue and purple were often the colors of poisonous food. So your brain is less likely to be attracted food-wise to the colors blue, purple, and black. So I should just stop wearing purple. Well, I mean, I mean, it's only in regards to eating. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> I feel icky. God, I'm so sorry. Yes, don't wear purple underwear. Um, uh. um, so color can also enhance the effectiveness of placebos. So if you tell someone they're taking stimulants and you give them a red pill, that's just like a sugar pill. Well, you know, any kind of pill. Sugar pill specifically with a stimulant, I mean sugar will help yeah. you up. But in general, if you tell them you're giving them a stimulant and you give them a red pill, it's they're going to have a stronger effect on the person than if you gave them a blue pill. And the same works the opposite way. If you give someone a depressant and it's blue, they're more likely to show depressed signs than if you gave them a red pill and told them it was a depressant. So your brain associates those colors with moods. I don't know if you researched this at all, but there was a big thing about red dye making kids hyperactive and stuff. Mm -hmm. Is that... I looked into it... um... And it's kind of split 50-50. Some scientists are gung-ho about it, and other scientists are very, like, heck no about it. It kind of sounds a little bullshitty to me, but... Yeah. Um, I don't think it's because of the... Chemicals? Oh, I think it is because of the chemicals, and it's not because the food is red. Okay. Um, So it's not like, oh, kids eat red food that makes them hyper. I think it's that the chemicals that are in it actually, like, open up your brain to, like, dopamine and stuff that makes you hyperactive. Um, So that might be a chemical thing. Um... So in 2000, Glasgow installed blue streetlights in certain neighborhoods and subsequently reported anecdotal findings of reduced crime in these areas. So blue lights, blue streetlights have less crime, which is ironic that most streetlights are kind of yellowy. Yeah, they're kind of on like an orange. Mm -hmm. That would actually like encourage crime. So if we start switching to those more bluey LED lights, um, we might actually see less crime. Because it was a calming effect. Interesting. Um, Also, a railroad company in Japan began installing blue lighting on its stations in October of 2009 in an effort to reduce the number of suicide attempts, although the effect of this technique has been questioned. So, Yeah, in Japan, a lot of people jumping onto railroad tracks. It's a very common way to commit suicide. But they started putting up blue lighting. Some people say that it was effective. Other people say that it was, like, other reasons that it proved effective. So... Huh. Remains to be seen. Yeah. Um, also, color has long been used to create feelings of coziness or spaciousness. However, how people are affected by different color stimuli vary from person to person. So this is where the idea of color therapy gets a little bit proven wrong because it varies a lot. Um, I was reading, let's see if I actually grabbed it in my notes, but um, like different cultures, you know, kind of view colors differently. So... Um, when asked what color they most strongly associate with jealousy, people from the U.S. often say green, you yeah. know, like green monster or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, in Germany, it's yellow. Um, 
red and black are always associated with vampires and yes and (laughs) anger but that's something that's universal to the world whereas other emotions like jealousy or joy are completely different colors depending on where you're from weird yeah what color do you associate with joy yellow if it's like pure unadulterated joy are we going based on the colors of the characters from inside out is that color yes character yellow oh no but it makes sense i think yellow is kind of a color of innocence which is why it's joy Pixar did their homework. Yeah, they they definitely did. Um, although I associate jealousy with purple, but really, yeah, huh. I don't know why, but it's like very strong. Well, I mean, it, uh, green is the color of disgust in uh, hmm. Inside Out. Hmm. Which one's purple? Purple is fear. Really? Yeah. Oh, Wait. he's like a purpley blue Bill Hadery color. But Bill's just blue. Bill Hader? Yeah. Is a man. He's a blue man. <laughs> uh, we'll talk more about that in a minute. We'll come right. back to the colors. Um, and no, we're not being racist. Um, I don't think that's... <laughs> different kind of blue. Um, there are blue people. It's a whole thing. What? Um, yeah, a very small... I mean, I know they have a show in Vegas, but... No, different, uh, different blue people. Like, actually blue people. Um, in Kentucky. One family. Fucking what? Yeah. Um, it was genetically passed down. It was like a genetic defect that only affects this one family. And all the members of the family are blue. They have blue tinted hair and blue skin and like a blue tongue. Did they listen to a lot of iPhone 65? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure they've heard that joke before. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I didn't do a lot of research as to what causes them to be blue because it's it's a whole rabbit hole and we have to draw the line somewhere. Um, while we're off on this tangent, I was watching something on Netflix, Strange and Unusual Deaths or some shit like that, and there was this guy who ate a lot of carrots and took a lot of um, vitamin A supplements and his skin started to turn orange mm-hmm. and he was convinced that it was going to make him healthier even though his doctor was like, bro, your liver, your liver, Jesus. Um, and then he just overdosed on vitamin A. Um, very interesting. There was a tanning company in like the 80s that tried to create a pill that would make you tanner from the inside in that same way. Um, but it turns out it was just making people sick, um, sick, but it was also making their poop red and their eyes red. Um, so. Do you know that there's enough vitamin A in a serving of polar bear liver to kill you? Hmm. Interesting. Yes. Totally off topic. Yeah. I like it. Um. I don't know where the fuck we were. Um, okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit about favorite colors, because that was also a question that came up, is, like, where favorite colors come from? Like, why we like one over the other? Huh. Um, turns out blue is the top choice for 35% of Americans, followed by green for 16%, purple for 10%, and red for 9%. I'm below average. I like 9%, so I'm with red. I'm a 10%er. Up on that purple. Um, Preferences for blue and green may be due to a preference for certain habitats that were beneficial in ancestral environments. So because our ancestors lived in places that were very blue and green, near water, with trees, shelter, it's associated with safety, home. So the mind has a natural preference towards those colors um, as an evolutionary thing. However, um, there is evidence that color preference may depend on ambient temperature. People who are often cold prefer warm colors like red and yellow, while people who are often hot prefer cool colors like blue and green. Because the colors blue and green can actually make you feel cooler. If you're in a blue or green room and you're really, really hot, you will perceive it as being cooler than if you were in a red room. Even if the rooms are actually I was going to call bullshit, but I can see... Well, I mean, the physical properties of blue and red, like, um, since red reflects so much infrared light back at you, even though you can't see it, it actually makes you feel warmer. Um, So if you put a red piece of paper and a blue piece of paper in the snow, the red one will sink down to the ground sooner than the blue paper will. Holy shit. So red is actually a hotter color than blue. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. So it could be related to ambient temperature. Um, Some researchers have concluded that women prefer warm colors and men prefer cool colors, but that there's a lot of skeptics on that. Um, A few studies have shown that cultural background is a strong influence on color preference. 
Um, people that are from the same region, regardless of race, will have the same color preferences um, than someone from a different region, um, just totally regardless of race. Uh, children's preference for colors they find to be pleasant and comforting can be changed and can vary, while adult adult color preferences <laughs> are usually non-malleable. So if I ask you what your favorite color is now, and then I ask you every day for a year, it will probably stay the same color, but the kids will change. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. I wonder why that is. I wonder why kids can't make up their goddamn minds. Because they're children. Because they're little brats from hell. That's a joke. I love kids. Yeah. I was like, I'm the one who's supposed to be being an asshole about it. <laughs> Um, some studies find that color can affect mood. However, these studies do not agree on precisely which moods are brought out by which colors, and that's because a lot of it is related back to your childhood. So, like, say you had a really bad experience with a man that always wore blue, you're going to like blue less. So it's not universal. A lot of it is based on your own experience and the experience of your ancestors and where you're from and... What temperature you usually are, if you have a cold home or a hot home, they all affect how colors affect your mood. So hot home. Hot home. <laughs> I live in a hot home. <laughs> that was too much. Too much. No, that was just enough. <laughs> um, a study was performed by a man named Andrew J. Elliott, and he tested to see if the colors of a person's clothing could make them appear more sexually appealing. And he found that to heterosexual men, women dressed in the color red were significantly more likely to attract romantic attention than women in any other color. What giant, huge piece of news. Yeah. However, the color did not affect heterosexual women's assessment of other women's attractiveness. So I think a girl in a red dress and a girl in a blue dress, you know, it'd be like they're the same to me. But to a man, the girl in the red dress is more attractive. <laughs> Only to a man. They might as well not be wearing one at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, other studies have shown a preference for men dressed in red among heterosexual women, which I think is weird because I feel like men shouldn't wear red. It's a weird color for dudes. I like a nice brick red. Yeah. But, like, generally, I prefer my men to be in, like, a nice olive green or, like, a blue. Yeah. Or, like, gray or black yeah. or neutral. Yeah, yeah. neutrals. Um. But apparently red is more more attractive. I don't know. Um, okay, so this is kind wait, of an interesting... Um, we need to test this. Okay. So, the first 15 men to email us with their headshots have a chance to meet us in person. You have to pay for it yourself. We're not flying you out here. Yes. Um, well, I'll have you in red shirts. You can buy us drinks and we'll decide who's most attractive. Who's most attractive. Uh, it'll be like Miss America, only shitty. <laughs> Shittier. But yeah. the people running it will be, you know, decent humans. Yeah, exactly. So it's good stuff. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, just email us at a contact at af- getafternunified.com with your headshot. <sighs> and uh, we'll answer this once and for all. Yeah, exactly. We'll run it ourselves. Um, recent results have shown that a person that stared at a red screen for, let's say, one minute and a person like later showed them a blue screen for one minute, they thought they looked at the red screen longer. So looking at a red screen, your mind perceives it as having elapsed more time than on a blue screen, which is why a lot of computers come with blue backgrounds to keep you on the computer because you don't feel like as much time is Yeah, passed. that's not really an issue. Yeah. But just in general, that's, like, why a lot of, like, Windows, Apple, like, a lot of them come with, like, blue. I just realized that all of the, like, the colors on The Sims, like, their menu screens, they're blue! They're blue to keep you in it because you feel like not as much time has elapsed. If all of the screens were red, you would get sick of it a lot faster. Well, red is a very aggressive color. It is. But also, you think that more time has gone by, you're like, well, I've been playing this for hours, so. Is it because we see red more, like... Strongly. Strongly? Yeah, it, like, exhausts your eyes faster. Okay. Um, the results reflected sex differences, though. Men, but not women, overestimated the duration of the red screen. So women were a little bit better. However, in general, (laughs) there's a strong correlation to red lasting longer. Don't. Don't. You are so immature. Um, this is what happens when I'm not responsible for giving facts. (laughs) Let's see. So it also says that participants who reacted quickly to a red screen 
overestimated its duration in a demo with 150 people chosen at random it was found that inside a pod bathed in blue the average perceived duration of a minute was 11 seconds shorter than in a pod bathed in red color so same thing with schools and hospitals they all are like blue and green because you think that it you know it's a shorter amount of time and so you don't feel like you've been there quite as long so you stay interested longer so red hurries you up which makes sense why I hate being at Target. Because <laughs> it's all red. It's very aggressive. at Target. <laughs> yeah. Try I can spend more time at Walmart. Try working at Target. Yeah, I can imagine. Ugh. Um, don't worry about it. Uh, okay. So it turns out, you know how I told you that um, color preferences are based entirely on your experiences and a lot of things. And they don't have a strong correlation with other people's. Yeah. Um, does not work with marketing. With marketing, color does actually affect your preference. Universal. Yeah. So with red, it's often associated with like lust, power, excitement, and love. Yellow is often associated with jealousy, competence, and happiness. Oh, there's a chart. Yeah. Green with good taste and envy. Blue with masculinity, competence, high quality. It's corporate. Pink is sophistication, sincerity, and feminism. Uh, violet femininity femininity yeah sorry just kind of went off went off there i mean either or but yeah violet purple um authority sophistication and power that's fucking right yeah purple no brown could you get into the history of why purple represents those things uh wasn't it because that's the only color that i'm sorry were allowed to wear? um well that but um purple dye was very hard to come by mm. um and it took you know a lot of work to make it and mm-hmm. it was available in such small quantities that only very, very rich people could afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the same with blue. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, why like green and red and stuff were common. Because red is really easy to, yeah, to really get as a dye. Um, anyway, I knew a thing. Very nice. Good job. Um, so I just want to move right on past that because there's way too much information about um, color theory in regards to marketing. So we're just going to... yeah. Briefly glaze over that. So, I want to talk about gendering. Oh boy. Yeah. So, pink is for girls and blue is for boys. However, it turns out that was completely backwards before like the 1950s. Was it? Yeah. So, in the early 1900s, um, it was indicative from looking at, you know, records and old baby books and stuff that mm-hmm. pink was just as likely to be associated with boy babies as with girl babies. So, it was kind of equal. They didn't really care what color. There was no correlation between colors. There was and no babies. gendering of colors. Not really. Okay. Um, however, um, in 1918, an issue in an infant. Oh, the magazine is called Infants Department, a trade magazine for baby clothes <laughs> Just, manufacturers. Imagine a bunch of babies in suits sitting at computers. They made a movie about that. It's called Boss Baby or Baby Boss. Boss Baby, I think. Yeah, and Alec Baldwin plays the baby. Anyway. Anyway. Um. In that magazine, they said, There has been a great diversity of opinion on the subject, but the generally accepted rule is pink is for the boy and blue is for the girl. So they started to make it very obvious that, like, you know, pink for boys, blue for girls. And the reason is because they said that pink was a more decided and strong color, therefore more suitable for a boy, while blue is delicate and dainty and supposed to be for girls. So it was completely backwards than what we know now. Uh, Okay. Uh, So in... 19, let's see, 1972, 19, 1927, bro, 1927, sorry, <laughs> 1927 chart in Time Magazine, um, various cities were contacted and asked what colors they used for boys and which ones they used for girls, and it was all over the map, and it wasn't until the Second World War that the modern convention of pink for girls, blue for boys started to dominate, and even then, it didn't really super catch on until like the 1980s. Um, and that's when today's strict color gender norms set in. Um, and it was all a marketing ploy. Um, being gender normal was shown to be very important to us. If retailers can convince you that being gender normal means you need to buy a certain product, cosmetics, plastic surgery, blue clothes, pink clothes, it just makes sense from a production or mass marketing perspective. So, Gendered colors it was is all made up. Yep, it's all made up entirely. Um, I'm going to skip the section that says favorite color because we more or less covered it. Um, All right, so this is one that I've gotten asked more than once, and it's super interesting. We are going to talk about synesthesia. 
Um, so synesthesia <laughs> is a disorder where you mix up more than one sense. It's There are a lot of different kinds. You can have um, a version of synesthesia where every time you hear a sound, you taste something. Amazing. So like this might taste like oranges or something but like you actually so there's two types of synesthesia in that there's um what did they call them uh projective synesthesia and associative synesthesia so projective is when you actually like see things or actually physically taste them Uh whereas associative is just like you correlate them together like the sound of a bird reminds you of the taste of pie yeah yeah that's associative synesthesia um, and it's more than just kind of being reminded. It's something that's, like, very, very, like, it can be proved in, like, a brain scan. Yeah. Like, it's very specific. Like, you always associate that. Um, and it's actually more common than people think to have associative synesthesia, um, especially um, in regards to something called uh, graphene color synesthesia, which is where you relate letters and numbers to different colors. Uh-huh. If you have projective graphene color synesthesia, then whenever you see a word the different letters in that word will actually appear as those colors to you, regardless of what color the word is actually written in. But if you have associative graphene color synesthesia, then you just associate those colors. Okay. Um, I've been tested for associative graphene color synesthesia, and I had, I got like an 80% likelihood. Um, You can't really be, it can't be proven unless you get like an actual brain scan. Yeah. But there's, I guess, like an 80% 80 chance that I have associative graphene color synesthesia. Um, But doesn't really affect my life all that much. Um, I also like associate people with colors, and that's really common too. They said that as much as 4% of the population has some form of synesthesia, um, which is like 1 in 23 people have it. What color am I? You are red. You used to be blue. Did I? Yeah. Then I got to know you better, now you're red. Huh. A lot of people start out blue for me. Huh. It's kind of like my average. Your, you know. It's your person color? Yeah, it's just like people are blue. Um, but as I get to know them, some people stay blue and other people change. Like, Delton is blue. Yeah. And Matt is blue. Really? Sometimes green. Huh. Um, he used to be green, but more lately he's been blue. Um, Lucas is green. I am red. My mom is red. Aaron is blue. My dad is blue. Anyway. <laughs> Lots of colors. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you did small mouth. I did small mouth. <laughs> um, so like I said, there's a ton of different types of synesthesia. I'm not going to get too far into it just because we could do a whole episode on synesthesia. Which we probably will. We probably will because it's super interesting. Um, however, I'm going to talk a little bit about what causes it. Um, and people don't know. <laughs> however, what's kind of the, the most accepted explanation currently, and it changes a lot, is that... Um, when you're a baby, a lot of the connections in your brain cross and talk to each other. So nothing is like the frontal lobe is for this and this lobe is for this. It all talks to each other. And so basically babies are just like insane synesthetes. Synesthetes? Synesthetes. Yeah. Yeah. They basically all have really intense synesthesia. And as you get older and you learn more and your brain starts to categorize better, um, you kind of lose those connections and those cross wires and you're able to keep things in their separate buckets. Yeah. Hearing and smell are different things. Um, some people, those connections don't fade as much or they stay like able to cross connect. And those are the people that end up holding on to those connections. And they tend to be really creative people. Um, there is a strong correlation between um, synesthetes and being left-handed. Hmm. Um, it's it's kind of interesting. And they, a lot of, they think that that's because people who are left-handed often have to find sort of interesting fixes for stuff that's more right-handed. Like the way that I button my shirt is different than the way someone else buttons their shirt because it's backwards to me. Or the way I eat or open doors, it's all like a little bit backwards. Oh, um, with shirt buttons, the side that the buttons are on is actually gender specific. Yeah. But a lot of the time it is, you know, backwards. There's a lot of stuff. Um, like pretty much anything that's not exactly even on both sides is usually designed for a right-handed person. Um, using your computer mouse, you use with your right hand. So I think that the, re- the reason that synesthetes are often left-handed is because people who are left-handed have to cross wires a lot yeah. and be really kind of think outside the box. And that encourages those connections between the different sections of your brain to keep talking to each other. Um, turns out you can have synesthesia temporarily. 
Um, so synesthesia can occur in non-synesthetes under certain conditions like temporal lobe epilepsy, head trauma, strokes, brain tumors, um, during certain stages of meditation, deep concentration, sensory deprivation, or the use of psychedelics such as LSD, mescaline, or even some cases, marijuana. I can speak to that. <laughs> I can smell sound. Um, you laugh, but... <laughs> um... Let's see. I want to see if any of this is really worth saying because I know that we're running low on time. I mean, we're not running low on it. Well, I mean, I don't want color theory to be our longest episode ever. It already is. Oh, well, there we go. Um, Okay, so I have two more things to cover. Um, Smaller things. Someone asked, and this is only somewhat related to color. It's more about your eyes, but someone asked about... When you press on your eyes, you see kind of like that pattern or those colors. Yeah, those spots. Yeah. So um, she asked if um, that, I guess, if those spots are the same for everybody or Mm -hmm. if different people see different colors and different patterns. So I had to figure out what caused it. And those are called phosphenes, what you're seeing. And basically what happens is when you put a lot of pressure on your eye, you put pressure on your retina and your eye tells your brain that you're seeing things that you aren't actually seeing. Because you're stimulating your cones, but not because you're seeing color. Okay. So it is different for everybody because it depends on what spot on your retina you're pushing on. It depends on the layout of your retina. So not everyone sees the same thing, but it's all going to be pretty similar. Okay. However, these graph or phosphenes, not graphemes, um, they can actually, this can happen with other things too. So if you sneeze really hard, you can stimulate your phosphenes. Um, If you have a really big blow to the head... Um, if you are on hallucinogenic drugs, not to be confused with hallucinations. It's like seeing stars, like after you get hit over the head, like you just see spots. Yeah, those are phosphenes. Um, that actually happened to me on New Year's. I hit my head so hard I saw bright white light. Well, you also, like, cut your hand open and broke both your heels and scared an Uber driver. (laughs) I did. It was an interesting night. And that's a story for another time, kids. (laughs) Um, however... So they can be induced with hallucinogenic drugs, not to be confused with hallucination, because a hallucination happens in your brain, this phosphine effect happens in your eye. So your eye is actually wrong, not your brain. <laughs> um, um, electrical stimulation, intense magnetic fields can all do it. Um, it can also be a side effect of um, different like medications and stuff. So kind of interesting. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about is the color blue. It's a lie. The color blue is a lie. Um, Not always. Um, It turns out that most animals have a really hard time synthesizing the color blue. So if you eat, like we were saying, if you eat a ton of carrots all the time, all the time, you turn orange, your body will actually absorb that color and use it. And flamingos eat a ton of shrimp and they turn pink. Yeah. Um, They aren't born pink. It's because your body can synthesize those colors based on the pigment you feed it. Um, It doesn't work that way with blue. So if you have a butterfly that is a beautiful, beautiful shade of blue, Uh and you grind it up, (laughs) you grind up their wings um, trying to make blue powder, the powder will just be brown or gray. It won't be blue. The only reason you're seeing blue is because the cells are actually arranged in a very specific way that reflects the blue light back to you. They're not actually blue pigmented. Whereas if you ground up like a parrot's feather, it would actually grind up into red. Uh-huh. So, kind of interesting. Um, also, green is a pigment that animals have a really hard time making. So whenever you see like a snake or a frog, they're actually not green at all. Um, they are actually yellow, and the arrangement of their scales or their skin actually reflects blue light. So you're seeing that mixture of a blue light effect and yellow skin. So frogs are yellow. And snakes, green snakes, are actually yellow. Uh, it, doesn't that blow your mind? Uh, my head hurts. All <sighs> right. I feel like we need to end this, like, um, top gear. Like, and on that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are my Jeremy Clarkson. Um, all right. So, any other questions? Um, no. So, uh, give a shout-out to the people yes. who asked us things. So, I want to give a shout-out to Emily, because she asked me some questions. Which is weird, because I... Yeah. Yeah. Carla, Candy, Brianne, Kate, Nora, Amy, Anya, and Heather. Thank you all for submitting questions. We hope we answered them well enough. And I hope we made up for last week. Last week was great. Last week was sad. No, last week was great. (laughs) I mean, it was sad. But I mean, strong truths. Big truths. 
we're really doing some hard hitting stuff. And um, next week is going to be well, not next week, but yeah. the next episode is going to be fun. It's yeah, fun ones. Like, I don't think at any point I can bring up serial killers at all. I bet I could find a way to make you bring up serial killers. That's going to be my goal for next week. Tune in to make sure that Emily does indeed talk about serial killers in the next podcast. Uh, gotta make Papa Kissel proud. I'm cutting that out. That was the stupidest thing I've ever said. <laughs> I don't know. I like it. I, I feel weird about it. All right. All right. So if you like this podcast, please rate, subscribe, leave comments. We love comments. I love comments. We also love money. So donate. Oh, yes. Uh, we are seriously hitting you guys up for donations um it's getting around the time that we have to pay for a year's worth of hosting again um and it's it's not cheap yeah so we are giving out a little incentive to those who donate so postcards give us money we send you a postcard we'll actually handwrite your message on the back in um, nice colored pens yes. and and if you donate a lot of money we'll find a way to repay you we just don't know how yet and we also don't know exactly what we're setting a lot of money at, um but. if you guys want merch let us know what kinds of merch you would like to see yes and we can maybe start selling it and raising money for ourselves yes um so we do have a twitter that is at afternoonified we are also on instagram at, at afternoonified we have a facebook facebook.com slash get afternoonified and our website is www.getafternoonified.com which is where you can donate you can listen to past episodes you can find out about us you can send us an email with suggestions for episodes that you want to hear because we do listen to you yes we read all of your all of your notes so send them to us and then tell all your friends about our podcast if you enjoyed it like, share. Yeah. Okay. Sharing is caring. Tell is. everyone. Shout it from the rooftops. Make, get, get your friends educated. Yeah, exactly. Make your friends learn about color. Because when you tell them that snakes are actually yellow, they're going to think that you have a visual problem. So, refer them back to this podcast. <laughs> Use us as references. <laughs> Please don't cite us on your college papers, though. No. Um, but if you do want to cite any of this on college papers and you want more information, hit us up on any of those social media sites we recommended and i can give you links to actual verifiable scientifically researched articles that back me up here yes um so until next time bye, bye.